You're listening to Keystone Cold Cases, a podcast where we reignite cold cases across Pennsylvania. Hey, it's Ed. Hey, it's Shannon. Hey, it's Grace. Hey, it's Melissa, and today I'm going to be sharing the missing persons case of Shelly Diane Ludy. So Shelly disappeared from Upper Darby, PA. Upper Darby's right on the outskirts of Philadelphia to the west of the city, and as of 2020, had a population of over 85,000 people. Um, Upper Darby, fun fact, actress and comedian Tina Fey is from Upper Darby. Went to my high school. Interesting. Um, so Shelly Diane Ludy has been missing since August 23rd of 1982. So we just passed the 41-year anniversary of her going missing. Um, and this story is, yeah, wow, been a long time. Um, and this story is crazy because both, not only is she missing, but her car is missing too, which always fascinates me how an entire car can go missing exactly it's got to be if it's not at like the bottom of a body of water i don't Uh understand how a whole vehicle can go missing for that long i mean a person is crazy enough but a vehicle yeah right yeah and it's like they both vanished into thin air there's not been a single trace of either her or the car in 41 years now 41 years is a long time i mean she when when that many years pass, I think that it the people die, witnesses die, witnesses get old, cases are just forgotten, and it it's going to take some kind of major, I think, accidental discovery to really, like, I wouldn't hold my breath though. Yeah, yeah. We talk about some theories. Well, we'll go into it in a little bit. So there wasn't a ton of information about Shelley's life prior to, to her disappearance, which always kind of bums me out because I feel like. You don't want them just to become a missing person. You know, I wish I could be like, oh, and her favorite movie was this and her favorite color. And she wanted to be this when she grew up. (laughs) Yeah, she's more than just her case. Yeah, I know how you feel. Yep. Yeah. So I tried to do a little bit of digging and I did find out some information like how her friends described her. So we will get to that in a little bit, too. Um, I do know that she was born on May 21st of 1963, which made her 19 when she disappeared. And at the time of her disappearance, Shelly was a single mom to a two-year-old little girl named Jenny. And Jenny was literally the light of Shelly's life. Uh, Shelly's mom actually said, quote, This baby was her life. She was so devoted to that baby. So Jenny's father was not in the picture. Some reports said he had moved to Texas. I never saw anything else about him. So as far as I can tell, he never was, like, looked at in Shelly's disappearance, but I don't think there was any reason to look at him because he had an alibi, I guess, that he was in Texas. So was the, uh, you might have said, but the, the, she had a two-year-old? Yes, a two-year-old little girl. And was the girl, did she go missing too? No, she wasn't with Shelly the night of her disappearance. So, I mean, right there, a mom wouldn't just leave. Exactly. Like the odds are highly unlikely. So something something bad happened. So by all accounts, Shelly was a wonderful mother to Jenny. And actually, the day after she disappeared, she was scheduled to go sign a lease for a place for her and Jenny to live to begin, like, you know, the life of just the two of them. Uh, Up until her disappearance, she and Jenny had been living in Upper Darby with her mother, Barbara, her stepfather, Bill, her sister and their dog. 
Uh, I found out that the dog's name was Spectacle, which I thought was adorable. <gasps> So oh I wanted God. to add that. Amazing. <laughs> what a cute little family this sounds like. Right? So, I mean, kind of like Ed was saying, like, she she definitely had plans. She had a daughter that she loved very much. And, you know, she was scheduled to sign a lease on a place so her and Jenny could move out and just be mother and daughter and be, you know, the two Aww. against the world. So there weren't a ton of pictures of Shelly online. But from what I could find, she was beautiful. She was about... Five foot three inches tall with brownish red hair and she had bright blue eyes. From the pictures I could see, she had this big, beautiful, like Vanna White smile. It was so big. And she she was just so pretty, especially when she smiled. Oh yeah, I see the one picture at the bottom of the document. She's very pretty. You see, she's got like that huge, beautiful, like beauty queen smile. I love yeah. that. So when asked about her, one of her friends described her as quote. A breath of spring, which like, oh. I would love for someone, I know, <laughs> I would love for someone to describe Man, me as that. I'm like a wet leaf. On the... <laughs> right? A breath of spring. Like, how sweet is oh, that? How beautiful. The... Yeah, I don't think anyone would describe me. They'd be like, a breath of <laughs> bitch. <laughs> <laughs> My God. <laughs> So, obviously, she was well-loved by her friends. Um, Shelly was epileptic and did take medicine to control her seizures. However, she stopped taking the medication when she was pregnant, and she actually never resumed taking the medication even after she had Jenny. And remember, Jenny's about two years old at this point. She hadn't had any issues. You know, she hadn't had any seizures. But again, at that point, it had been a while since she had taken the medication. So at the time of her disappearance, Shelly had been working the 5 p.m. to 11 p.m. shift at the Lanark Diner on Township Line Road in Upper Darby, Pennsylvania. The diner's still around today, and actually that diner was featured in the Oscar-nominated movie Silver Linings Playbook with Jennifer Lawrence and Bradley Cooper. I love that movie. (laughs) Really? Well, there's a scene where they're in a diner, and that is where Shelly used to work. Wow, this is peppered with some interesting facts about. <laughs> I know Upper about Upper Darby. That diner's been around forever, and it, it's good. Uh, like I love diners, so that's a that's a good one. I did too. Their menu looked good. I had to research yeah. that too. Of course, <laughs> I can't get anything except breakfast. Like I, no matter what time yeah. of day it is, yeah. I'll get breakfast at a I diner. Like I don't think I've ever ordered a dinner or food at a diner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Give me the pancakes. Yeah. Give me an omelet. Me- <laughs> that's yes. it. That's it. All right, so Shelly's working at the diner, and she's doing really well. She's really popular with the diner patrons. Not only is she really pretty, which customers love, but she's also a great person on the inside. She was really friendly and outgoing, and she just made her guests feel really welcome. So they really liked sitting in her section. And she was just, she was really killing it, the new job. Because she was a breath of spring. Exactly. And they just loved her. She just seemed to have a very, like, charismatic and magnetic personality. Like, people were, like, drawn to her. I see. So, she had just started at the diner. She wasn't there very long, so she was only part-time. But um, there was talk that, and I believe that the manager went, like, during an interview also said this. But, you know, she had been doing such a good job that she was going to be up for a promotion to the full-time waitress position within the next few weeks. So, she had a lot of good stuff coming up. Yes. She had so many good things going on. 
So uh, Shelly's mother, Barbara, also worked at the diner. They worked different hours. On the night of Shelly's disappearance, she was finishing her shift at the diner. And remember, she worked 5 to 11, 5 p.m. to 11 p.m. So when her mom came into work, her night shift, Shelly was already there and just, you know, kind of finishing up her shift. So Shelly and Barbara chatted for a few minutes. And Shelly, who had borrowed her stepdad's car to drive to work, asked her mom if she could borrow the car for a little bit longer to go see a friend of her. So Barbara's like, I'm sure it's fine, but, you know, you really need to go home and ask your stepdad. It's not my car. I don't know if he has to do anything. So go home and ask him first. So Shelly was like, OK, no problem. So Shelly starts closing everything up. And as she's getting ready to leave, a young man approached her and grabbed a hold of her arm. Now, to me, this sounds aggressive, like somebody grabbed you, but I guess it wasn't super aggressive because it doesn't seem like either her mom or anybody else in the diner kind of, it doesn't seem like they were alarmed. Okay. (laughs) So Barbara described the man as blonde, athletic looking, and in his 20s. So... Shelly and the man left the diner and they went outside to speak in the parking lot. And multiple people saw them talking. So after a few minutes, Shelly returned to the diner to get her jacket and give her mom a final wave goodbye, which her mom described as a, quote, cheerful wave. And unfortunately, (laughs) this would be the last time Barbara would ever see her oldest daughter. So it didn't seem like the conversation had gone sour or was about anything bad. It was just... Right. It just seemed like she was a normal fine. conversation. No one seemed to know who he was. But I mean, it was like she came back in, she grabbed her jacket and was just, you know, gave her mom a wave. And that was that. Do we know huh. if he okay. was a patron at the time or if he had just happened into the diner at, like around that time, maybe with the intent to speak with her? That's a good question. So none of the articles that I found specifically stated, actually, now that like you say that. It just said a man came in and grabbed her arm. So I'm guessing he walked into the diner. But you're right. I didn't think about that. Um, I'll bet you there was more of a an urgency. Like usually when people are missing the there's like a 24 hour thing unless there's a but but with her being epileptic. That would have like really up the up the stakes, I think. Agree. Yeah, I agree. Because, you know, that's don't they put out different alerts for people if they have medical issues or it's like a heightened alert system yeah i don't know how it was in the 80s right and and but this was 41 years so that's the thing it was so long ago that who knows yeah all right so shelly lees and let's remember her plan was to go home ask her stepdad about borrowing the car for a few more hours and then go to her friend's well, Shelly never made it home that night. Sometime later that night or early that morning, because remember, she left work at 11. When Shelly didn't get home, her stepdad called the police to file a missing persons case. The police took the information that night. But, you know, of course, they reminded the parents, you know, she's a grown up. She can leave if she wants. <sighs> um, but luckily, within the next few days, the case was given to Upper Derby Police Lieutenant Nick Brattis. And according to an interview in the Philadelphia Inquirer, the lieutenant said that from day one, he just had a bad feeling about this. And he just had a gut feeling that Shelly didn't leave. She didn't get up and walk away. You know, this wasn't like she got drunk and was hanging out with friends or, you know, went to the shore or anything like that. He he knew that something was wrong. And he did say, you know, she's very devoted to her child. I don't believe that she would willing willingly abandon the child. 
So again, we're back to her kind of being such a good mother that people are like, no, this isn't right. She would not leave Jenny behind. I'm glad the police agreed. When you mentioned the the medication earlier, did she did she have that with her? I might have missed that. No, she and she hadn't taken it since before Jenny was born. So (laughs) she hadn't taken it in about three years. Okay, Interesting. Okay. So over the next few days, police interviewed Shelly's family and friends, including the friend that Shelly was supposed to go visit the night she disappeared. And the friend did confirm that Shelly never arrived. The police checked out every lead that came in with Lieutenant Bratz's saying that they had checked out leads as far as California and Minnesota. At one point, your friends and family actually had police uh, track down a model in California who they thought might be Shelly. I think it was the story that one of her ex-boyfriends was flipping through a catalog and actually saw this woman. He was like, oh, my goodness, that looks so much like Shelly. So, you know, they went to the police and reported this and they actually got in touch with you know, the modeling company or whatever they had to do to track this woman down, but it was not Shelly. Wow. Imagine being that woman and someone tracking you down and thinking that you're someone that's, that's gotta be so strange. Do you guys watch the show Catfish on MTV? Yes. I haven't. Because that, that is, that happens all the time (laughs) in that show. Yeah. Like, these people whose pictures get stolen, right. they end up calling them and be like, are you giving so-and-so these pictures? And they're like, absolutely not. That's so no. scary. Ugh. Yeah. Um, I would say, you know, a lot of the times we get these cases and it's like, oh, she's an adult. She ran away. And, you know, nothing ever happens. But I think the police definitely did their due diligence in this case. I mean... I think they really went hard and they really tried their best to find Shelly. And actually, the FBI became involved with Shelly's case in 1982. However, they closed the investigation in 1984. Now, this is kind of interesting because we don't know why the FBI became involved. We don't know what, if anything, they found. And we don't know why they closed the investigation. So just the FBI closed the investigation on their end or it's completely. okay. Yeah, they closed it. So the case is from 1978. She disappeared. And then all of a sudden in 1982, the FBI got on board. And then in 84, so only two years on the case, they closed their investigation. And the FBI doesn't just get involved, you know, in any case. So it's interesting. Like, I'm dying to know why they got involved. They, I'll bet you that, so the FBI usually gets involved when they either get a tip or believe that someone was right. taken across state lines because then it becomes a federal offense. Oh. So that's kind of when they step in. So they maybe were, t- maybe they were grasping at straws, but maybe they got some tip that no one knows about that she might have been taken to a different state. But that I'm wow. guessing maybe they chased down that lead and it didn't pan out. And that's why they closed it right. on their end. Wish we could hmm. find out. But yeah, I was like, that's interesting. And when I was reading about Shelly, an article about two other women in Pennsylvania who went missing right around the same time. And they were comparing and contrasting how, why did the FBI get involved in Shelly's, but not these other two people's? So, but you're right, Ed, I didn't even think about that. Maybe they you know, got a tip mm-hmm. or something that they decided this would be. And sometimes, especially back then, if if this happened early on, like 
in those days, the FBI had tools that these little local police stations did not have. So sometimes when cases like hit a wall and they had nowhere else to turn, they're like, they contact the FBI with, they had databases then, they had just things that the, the little podunk towns couldn't afford. That's a really good point. Well, for whatever reason, they did get involved, but unfortunately they closed it. Um, police also tried to track down the blonde man that she was seen speaking to, and they even created a composite sketch of him, but nothing ever came of it. They just never were able to track That's him down, weird. even with the witnesses. Yeah, like nobody, nobody could tell them who he was. Um, to be clear, they did not want to speak to him because he was a suspect but more of a person of interest. That's fair, but I mean, it's not even like he was seen by, like, one person and it may be not a very good description. Like, this guy you said was seen by multiple people, and yet somehow he just disappears, too. And I think the sketch is pretty good. I mean, again, sometimes I see sketches and I'm like, that could be anyone. Yeah. Um, But I think this one's pretty good. Now, Randomly, I saw someone refer to the picture and they said it looks like Gary Ridgway, who is the Green River killer <clears throat> from Washington State. And hmm. at first I didn't see it, but when they compared a, one of his mugshots to that picture, it was crazy how how much they looked alike. Truth. I don't huh. think it was wow. him because I think in the 70s, I think they know he was in Washington State. But it was definitely interesting mm-hmm. once I saw it. I'll have to see if I can find the comparison and maybe we can put it up online. Yeah. Truth. Hmm. That's, I don't know. That just really bugs me, though, that they couldn't track him down. Yeah, of all the people who saw him. Um. So in an article from the Philadelphia Daily News published a few days after Shelley's disappearance, the article stated that before Shelly left the diner, her mom said, quote, shall be careful. And Shelly responded with, I will, mom. Oh, my God. So, so sad. That's that's awful. I feel so bad for her mom. You know, she just it's like any other night and she got in her car to go home. Can you imagine that feeling? No, <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> Do you know if her mom's still alive? I do not know. That's a good question. I'll have to look. It just, it's so, it's just even sadder when parents pass away before they get answers, too. So that's why I was wondering. Well, even more depressing is this is pretty much where the case stands. Um, It's still open, um, but it is cold. We know that she never made it to her friend's house that night, and we know that she never made it home to ask her stepdad about the car, but we don't know what happened in between the diner and getting home. Uh, I do have a few theories, though, to go over. So one theory is that she ran away, which we all kind of talked about throughout the episode, you know, that she's walked out of the diner that night and walked away from her life. We know it always has to be considered. But yep. from what I've read about Shelly, I just don't see this being the case. I don't think she would leave Jenny. She was so, like, enamored by that little girl. I can't see her voluntarily walking away. Nah, no way. Another theory is that she had a seizure while she was driving and something happened. Um, You know, maybe she went off the road. But as far as I could find, there weren't any reports of any accidents 
in the area that night and there weren't any reports of anyone driving erratically. I mean, it was late, but there was nothing to The only to thing that I could that think up. of since they never found the vehicle, you said, I mean, if she had some sort of episode and drove the car into a body of water, I don't I was know thinking like, that. how like, would she, they not the, have it. Wherever the car is, she's right. inside it. Yeah. Yeah. But if she would have been in an accident and emergency services would have, you know, come to help, I don't think there's any way they wouldn't make connections to where she and her vehicle were. So that doesn't sound super probable. <laughs> I was wondering, too, I was thinking, you know, if this this blonde guy at the at the diner, um, if she talked to him outside, went back in, came back out, did they leave together? Did she maybe have a seizure and he panicked and, you know, maybe put the the vehicle on her in a body or somewhere, you know, do, do away with the evidence, not not thinking anybody might sort maybe, of... maybe they may not believe him that she had an episode. You That's have to true. be, to cover I don't it know, up. to live with that and keep it from her yeah. parents for, oh my God, yeah. I don't know how you could live with yourself. Well, I mean, I'm not saying yeah. it's not possible. Well, if you're a but, decent person, yeah, you definitely like, can't live with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who knows who this guy was? Wow. We have no idea who he was. Just kind of going along with if she had a seizure, one thing her mom did say that was, you know, maybe it wasn't a seizure while she was driving, but her mom did say if she had been attacked by someone, she doesn't know if that would trigger a seizure. So, Kind of going like with what Shannon said, maybe there was an accident, you know, and mm -hmm. maybe she did have a seizure and someone panicked. I mean, it could be. Now, there's one other theory, and we kind of talked about this before we started recording. Um, but another theory is that Shelly is part of the Scranton Five. And the Scranton Five is a group of women, five women, girls who are abducted and or murdered. There is a suspect in the cases of the Scranton Five. Um, he is convicted for one charge and convicted in one case. Only one case. His name is Frank Ossolini. Um, and he was charged and convicted in the kidnap, rape, and murder of nine-year-old Renee Waddle in 1989. He is serving a life sentence hmm. for that crime. Um, I don't know how I feel about this theory. First off, Scranton's like two hours north of Upper Darby. I did read that Frank may have been a customer at Shelly's work at the diner. I don't know that that's enough to tie them together. Um, and the second reason people think that Frank may have had something to do with the case is that they can see a very strong resemblance between Frank and the sketch of the mysterious blonde man that Shelley was seen speaking to shortly before <laughs> her disappearance. Now, I did see a picture. I like of... that theory. See, I don't know. I will say I did see a picture of Frank, but it's from the early 90s. And remember, the sketch is from the 70s. Um, and I will admit, in the 90s, he looked a lot like the sketch, but I don't know what he looked like in... Hmm. 78 um and i just don't know if i buy that shelly's part of the group but i think over the next couple weeks i am going to try to cover the missing scranton women so i think maybe each episode we can dive into this a little bit a little bit 
further. Yeah, great idea. Awesome. That sounds cool. So, I mean, what do you guys think? What theory do you think is the most likely to have happened? Or is there something else that you think may have happened? I'm like in that last theory. That's the, when you said he kind of looks like him. I mean, I know there's some years have passed, but uh, that might be him. I don't know that it's Frank, but I definitely think the blonde guy took her, did something. I don't know. I don't know. It's just a, a gut feeling. What do I know? But I don't feel like it was an accident. I feel like he took her somewhere. I agree. But it's hard to get rid of a vehicle, too. Yeah. Like, that's what's strange about it. And that's why I'm wondering if, if it popped up, if there was a sighting in another state and the FBI kind of took it. So maybe she was taken, abducted in her own car and just taken somewhere. And that car is. That's the thing. It could be in any body of water somewhere in another state. You know, there's much bigger bodies of water in other yes. states. So it literally could be anywhere. I was trying to look on Google, you know, what the closest bodies of water are to Upper Darby. And of course, I mean, it's way more developed around there than it was in 78. Um, so, you know, who knows if there were smaller ponds or anything like that. But I mean, the closest body, large body of water is there's... I think it's called Cobbs Creek. And then there's the Darby Creek. And then there's the Delaware River, really. Yeah. I guess if you knew people, you could take it to like a, a junkyard and, you know, have it. But then what about the body? You yeah. Know? Yeah. I don't know. There's like two parts yeah. to it. I don't know. I'd, I've... Something definitely happened to her. I don't think she walked away. And I don't know, the accident, even though she was epileptic, the accident thing doesn't really jive with me either. Just because even if someone panicked, mm -hmm. it is right. very hard to hide a vehicle. So yes. it just seems like planning right. had to go into it somehow. And that points to yeah. someone she knows. Play devil's advocate with the, you know, making the car disappear only because I was reading, um, I read an article about these two teens that went missing about 20 years ago. And I forget, I can't for life me right now remember where it is, but um, so this YouTube diver like found their car like 20 years later in a little, like in a little rip. Yeah. Did you see that? You see I he, saw that. He was diving, like he had the video of diving. Yeah. Him? And he called the he called the cops. Yeah. yeah. And the sheriff shows up and they're like, we found him. We found him. Gives him this big yeah. hug. It's, it it's a really just, cool moment. It was moment. just like there was nothing all those years to lead to that. It was just kind of like they were playing off punches and he went and and dove in a couple or he didn't dive in all of them. But he had a couple different bodies of water that he looked at because he had that ground penetrating radar on his boat. And like he showed you the video and stuff. You could see the car in in the the radar it was so cool so you know they were there for 20 years so it's just right and the kids you know, were in the car so yeah. i mean and and they i think they ruled that it was just some crazy accident there was no sign yeah. of it there was no trace and then they're in this car yeah they um i think then they confirmed that there there was a guardrail when they found it but they confirmed that at the time they went missing there was no guardrail so they probably right. you know likely just went had an accident went off the road wow. into the water so it's really funny that you say that, Shannon, because that was actually 
cited in some of the articles talking about Shelly and talking about how maybe she had a seizure and went into bodies of water. It was uh, two girls in South Dakota, I think Pamela and Cheryl, because we literally just read about them and someone was like, you know, this just happened in South Dakota and maybe she's in water. So it's funny that you bring that up. I'm sorry if I missed this. Did you say where they live? Did they live like in Philly or did they live in just Upper Darby? Just in Upper Darby. Okay. Yeah, it just said Upper Darby. I did look and I tried to look for property records, but I couldn't okay. find any. Because I wanted to know that too, you know, what direction okay. she went in to see if she went towards a body of water. But I could not find that. So these teens that were found recently, they were found in a body of water that was near where they went missing. Yeah, Like, I think I heard about it, but I can't quite remember the details. But so it's pretty much like it was a body of water near where they went missing and they just never thought to look there, had a tip to look there or whatever. They were just there the whole time. Wow. Just so haunting. Yeah, that's really scary. It was like, well, it seemed like one of these towns where like, that was the the big, the lore in town was these these kids that had been missing. Right. Like it was a big deal when they were found. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I mean, maybe that is the case. I'll send the. I'll maybe find the is. video after this and then text the group so you can see it. Yeah, that'd be this. great because I remember hearing about it, but I can't can't quite remember sure. the details. Well, as of right now, Shelley's case is still open. Definitely considered a cold case by the Upper Darby Police, but it is open. I think they did really try their best. I think they exhausted all leads. And like I said, even the FBI was involved. So I don't think this is a case of people not caring enough. I think that the investigators really put their heart and soul into this one. And I'm hoping that maybe, you know, they're still working on the case and there's stuff behind the scenes that we don't know about. So I'll keep our fingers crossed. Absolutely. Hopefully one day we will know or even better case scenario, we can bring Shelly home. Amen. And I see you have a photo of the car, so we can post that also yes, on it our was blog. A, wait, I have it written down. It was a 1978 mint green two-door Chevy Impala. Ooh. It's the most 70s thing really I've ever is. heard. <laughs> yes, very much. Those were the doors that if they closed on your leg, you were like, you had an egg on your yeah. shin for for. You know what's you know what's funny? You want a theory? Okay, so I have a. You sure it was a ninety? What did you say? Nineteen seventy three. Nineteen seventy eight. Seventy eight. All right, because I have in my driveway right now a nineteen sixty eight Impala that was originally mint green. No joke. Whoa. No joke. What? what? Yeah, it's been like two <laughs> other awesome. colors since then. But if that was the original, I'm just saying. Weird. <laughs> right? I got it cheap too. Like I wonder. Hmm. Oh my god. Yikes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yikes is right. Nineteen seventy eight, this would have been a brand new car right. yeah. that she yeah. went missing in. Brand new. Wow. Huh. Well, we'll post a picture of that. Definitely. So that is the case of missing Shelly Diane Ludi. It's a sad one. That's all we have for this episode of the Keystone Cold Cases Podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and please consider leaving us a review wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to find out more about us, the pod, and the cases we cover, or want to suggest a case, please visit us at kccpod.com 
or send us an email at keystonecoldcases at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at Keystone Cold Cases and on Instagram and TikTok at KCC Pod. Please remember never to reach out to family or friends of the victims, only to law enforcement if you have any tips. This episode was researched and hosted by me, Melissa. Find all of our sources, social info, and contact information at kccpod.com. Theme music and production assistance from Darren Makins. Join us again next week for another case to sleuth out.